Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness. And uh, I've told you many times this is about your sex and your happiness, but of course, it's also about mine and anybody who's my guest. And today, I'm very excited. I announced on my last show about this guest. I said he was going to be on this show, and that I've been only trying to get him on the show for six years or more. Um, but he he avoided, <laughs> he avoided this for a long time, but now he's open. I'm really excited. So I want to introduce my guest, Bruce Lyon. And um, Bruce has written a very interesting bio here for me to, to tell you about. Bruce is into having no identity. So I want you to hear what he said, and then we'll get to it. So you'll understand maybe a little bit more after in the show. Um, Bruce has no idea who he is, really, and so when it comes time to writing a bio, he freaks out and waffles on about what he has done and what he is to others. Founder of this, writer of that, father of X, husband of Y, esoterist, traveler, poet, adventurist, coward, (laughs) liar, and cheat, a magnificent fellow, and a creature of the shadows totally unique and rather like everyone else, really under all the ego hype. His life is a tear of light and dark, rolling down the cheeks of the mystery. I love it. Bruce Lyon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laurie. Great to be here. Lovely to have some time to talk about sex and happiness with you. Yeah, it's great. It's a really important topic, and it's the two most Googled words. Wow. Yeah, sex and happiness. Everybody wants more sex and more happiness. Which one gets the most? I think sex. (laughs) I think so, too. (laughs) So let me just tell our listeners also that you and I work together, that you're one of the driving forces behind ISTA. And that's really, we met at a conference, and then we now we've been on this faculty together and recently you and I co-facilitated together level two in Australia and it was for me it like it just changed my life and my relationship to you because um we had a chance to really drop in and go deep and laugh a lot together and really connect so that was so much fun and you know <laughs> that's why I finally succumbed to being on your radio show we had so much fun and I'd sit here and talk with you about anything right Good. I'm glad. I'm really glad. So today I want to talk about Haydn, like living temples. Yeah. I want to talk about something you've been, you've been uh, devoted to this for years, it turns out, which I didn't know until I got to New Zealand, um, that you've been envisioning having temples where people come and, and deal with their essential core wounding. Yeah, well, I suppose it's their essential core wounding. I think what it is, is really it's a place for souls. And and that links back to the idea of not having an identity or at least not, you know, being attached to an identity. We all have identities. But um, I feel like so much of the, 
the change in the world since the 60s has been people trying to let go of this identification with their particular body mind. Like a lot of the gender wars comes from people thinking they are a man or a woman and then, and then having a battle with the, with the other side. So what a soul really is, is someone who's got past identifying with their personal body mind, with the gender that they're in, with their stock portfolio, with their belief systems or their religion, and really is operating as as love. And so these people need to have a, a place to go and uh, that's beyond the kind of duality functioning of the world and wake up and make their contribution to the planet. So that's what Haydn is. Wow. So let's talk about a little bit about Haydn in, in particular because people probably don't know even what referring to I, I visited Haydn uh, just recently uh, which is located in New Zealand on the North Island and um, it's like a big manor estate that actually we all bought together you and Des were the main contributors but we put together crowdfunding and and I helped you know spur the movement to purchase this place and it looks like I don't know, something out of the 17 or 1800s. It's like a really big, huge manor. But you've had your eye on this for a long time, Bruce. Yeah. Well, actually, I think you're the first person who put your hand in your pocket, you know, for money. And uh, it was something beautiful about a collective, a global collective, recognizing the value of these temples and helping support land them. Um, and I've, you know, worked with this place for 20 years and it came out of writing a book about uh, New Zealand and about the mystery schools and looking around the country to see where they might be landing. Um, and, and I found this property and a whole lot of magic, uh, meant that I could run a, a temple there for three years. And that was 15, 17 years ago. And now it's come back around again. So, so these kind of places of, um, Soul education are landing again on the planet and they take time, but it's been a beautiful journey to, to get to where we are now. Yeah. And it's, it's just beautiful. And I, I was, I mean, I, I put my hand in my pocket because I wanted people to get that. If this was going to happen, it wasn't yeah. just going to happen based on you two. A lot of things happened because of you two, you and Baba Des, but it, it wasn't going to happen unless we all got behind it. And it didn't matter what the contribution was, big or small. I wanted people to like get the momentum to see like if this is what we're up to. I mean, really, sex and happiness to the nth degree. You know, like losing our identity so we could actually have pleasure in our lives, so we could actually stop suffering, so our souls could could mingle and play and fly. And we all had to do something about it. So that's, I mean, that was why I. I said to you, okay, I'm doing it. This is what I'm giving right now. Yeah. Uh, but when I got there, I mean, I was wowed. I was awed. I was, I said, this place is like incredible. This is like, you know, really in a state. How many people does it, will you, it sleeps a bunch of people now, but how many people do you envision being able to stay there? Well, it seats about 36 now, but 50 comfortably, um, and it's going to keep expanding. It was an old Catholic monastery for 50 years, and before that uh, um, was, was set up by a member of parliament. So it has this kind of thread of 
spiritual search and leadership, um, but it's updated for the modern modern journey. And I think one of the, the big inclusions is in the old days of spirituality, sexuality was was uh, not included. And probably if you added to sex and happiness, the next word would probably be money. So one of the things that we're, we're doing, you and I and many others in the world, is is looking to integrate people's spiritual path with their sexual energy, which really is what is going to produce happiness. And then once you integrate your sex and your heart and your consciousness, money should follow. And uh, so bringing love into the way that we we use our resources on the planet, whether it's our erotic energy or our financial energy, um, our time, then that's that's part of actually grounding love and making it embodied. So true. So good. I mean, it's it's... It's very clear to me, and I don't know, you know, for my listeners, it may be one of the first times they're hearing it, although they've heard it in various ways from me over and over again. Hearing it from you, it's got a little different slant on it. I didn't know the parliament person had had that house or that the Catholic monastery had had that house, but it reminds me of something pretty funny, which is when I made my film, Beyond Dinner, I was, these Harry Krishna people that I know in Philadelphia had bought this big estate. It was called the Elkins Estate, and it was in the town called Elkins Park, named after the guy. Anyway, the Catholic nuns owned that place for a really long time, and they sold it to these Harry Krishna people. And I told them I needed it to make a film. And they said, great. And they told me that the only thing, if they default on a payment of their mortgage, it's going to go back to the church. (laughs) Uh, you know what's going to happen now. <laughs> they had it for one month, and I came in there and I shot a Tantra film yeah. in this beautiful estate. And then the following month, they defaulted on their mortgage payment. And the next thing that happened was it went back, it reverted back to the Catholic Church. So <laughs> then it was like one weekend of Tantra. <laughs> yeah, well, I bet the sermons were a little bit friskier after that. <laughs> The place at the time slept 81 people. Yeah. Quite a big estate for the United States. You know, like there aren't big properties like that here. But I mean, I guess there are some places, but not, they're hidden to most people. Well, it's it's a good sign, I think, for civilization as well, because we've been doing workshops for years and years all over the planet. And it's like, you know, opening up a tent or a vortex for a weekend or a week. And, and now we're starting to have places where the, the, where love is anchored permanently and where residential community can come together and where people who are living lives of freedom and love um, can share with others. And so that's a really positive sign. I think it's happening all over the planet. Yeah, well, I know for sure that we're interested in, we have an interest in Brazil, and I know for sure there's an interest in Thailand, and I heard recently there was something in Australia and maybe Egypt. So isn't that great? I mean, let's keep it going. Well, you know, I think it's about um, really reclaiming with this culture. Once you free up your own sexual energy and and your own heart and you realize that this is your life, then starting to authentically live it and reclaim your power means we're taking back the planet for love, really. It's just person by person, group by group, property by property. Mm. Yeah, so what a great plan. 
different from all the other schemes. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> yeah, if you have an identity, you have a scheme. Yeah, yeah, I got that. All right, we're going to take a little short break here. And when we come back, we'll continue on Haydn and uh, the resurgence of temples. And I want to also talk some more about um, this split you know, between the masculine and feminine, or or maybe it's not between the men, maybe it's between men and women. And if we could just, I, I really understand um, the masculine and feminine, then, then the split could easily come together. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers. Today, I have the honor, I'm excited to uh, be interviewing Bruce Lyon, who doesn't know who he is. But I know who he is, and, and that's good. And I see all the times he lets go of his identity and comes out as new and new and new. And he helps me to do that, too. So stay tuned. We're coming right back. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and I want to talk to you today about an Eastern European tour where I'm going to be teaching Tantra all along the way of the tour. Now, many of you know that I did Tantra Tourists, a film where I took people to India, and I taught Tantra on the bus and at the Taj Mahal and all these places. So now I'm bringing people to Eastern Europe. And my tour is 14 nights, 15 days at four-star hotels, and it's land only. And uh, the cities we're going to hit are Prague, Budapest, Rovinj, Zadar, Wien, Zagreb, Split, Dubrovnik. And I'm very excited about it. The only place I've been of all those places is Dubrovnik long ago. So if you've never been to Eastern Europe, and you'd like to see those places. You'd like to start in Prague and end in Dubrovnik and learn Tantra along the way. I welcome you to come and join me. You can be a couple or you can be a single. It really doesn't matter. All meals are included. All hotels are included. And it's going to be exciting for me because I've never been there. And I know that it'll be exciting for you too. You'll be able to learn as you tour. So to find out more, you need to go to this website, sacredsensualgetaways.com. That's sacredsensualgetaways.com. And click on Meet the Instructors, click on Laurie Handlers, and come with me. The tour that I'm talking about starts on June 16th and goes to June 29th. Perfect time for Europe. So join me. I look forward to hearing from you. You can write to me, by the way, for more information at laurie at butterflyworkshops.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E at butterflyworkshops.com to find out more about the stores. Please join me in Eastern Europe. It's going to be great. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown, take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life. 
physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers. Only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to Butterfly Workshops dot com that's butterflyworkshops.com for your copy of sex and happiness we're back with sex and happiness and again i'm laurie handlers and today i'm interviewing bruce lyon and um bruce has just established this living temple called Haydn in New Zealand, although he's been working with that property for years. Bruce, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, temples of old, to put it into context so people can, like, see if they can reach into their memories and remember anything that they studied in history and, like, set the record straight. Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. So I think temples um, have existed on the planet, you know, many times. And the idea of a mystery school is, is those places where people who are kind of bringing in the new culture, the updated software for their civilization can come hang out, awaken, and then transmit that into the world. And, and temples, you know, were places before monotheism where people came to celebrate life. And, and many of the temple arts, you know, that revolved around prayer and ceremony and sacred sexuality and um, drama and so on where, where the big stories, the big, the big archetypal stories of humanity were told and witnessed and downloaded. So there were places where the soul of the world came in and activated civilization. And I think really the last three or 4,000 years as those temples have, have fallen away, we've ended up with a very secular society and um and, and a lot of that deep mystery has been lost so the coming back of the temples are places where where that can happen again that's yeah you know that's really i mean because when i think about mystery when i heard the first time i ever heard about mystery schools i mean i just didn't have any idea what that was but i knew it was something that i wanted to gravitate towards you know little did i know you know that i'd be part of a mystery school and part of something that deals with sexuality and spirituality and shamanism. I, you know, at back at the time that I first heard about mystery schools, I didn't have any idea. I think it was at landmark education. So I was like fully steeped in a masculine paradigm myself. You know, I was producing results, keeping my word, keeping my honor, having other people do that. You know, I was really functioning as probably, um, tipped over in my masculine not having much to do at all with my feminine i kind of forgot i was a female for a while i was um so into i was like a little general running around <laughs> and even then even then it's more like the immature masculine that you were tipped into because the, the world has been tipped into that and i think part of the loss of the temples was also the loss of our connection to healthy feminine power, the, the blood mysteries and the, and the sacred sexual mysteries all got kind of exercised because of this fear in the immature masculine and its need to control. Yeah. And boy, did that, would that cost, it cost me, you know, how I even found my way into Tantra was that, uh, that all of that, posturing, I'm just going to call it posturing. Well, I was really good at it too. Um, yeah. It, it cost me my health and it yeah. cost me my, my, my body. I, 
I was like falling apart inside out. Yeah, and I guess if we look at the world, that's what's happened as well. The body of the world, uh, this beautiful planet that we live on has suffered because of the kind of ego-driven consciousness of humanity, which is, like you say, a lot of posturing, really. And yeah. fe- Go ahead. Well, posturing and fear and, and, you know, need to control and huddling together in cities and having really important stock portfolios and identities is really just part of that immature masculine, you know, fear of nature, really, and of the power of the feminine. Yeah, and the wildness and, 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 and eros, all of that stuff. So, so we're helping to bring that back and, you know, luckily part – you know, you're leading and spearheading some, I don't even even know if that's a good word for it, but spearheading, you know, these temples coming up. Um, let's talk about how people can find their way since we just opened it up. And I said I was living in the unhealthy masculine. Um, most people are living in the unhealthy something. Like they're they're almost caricatures of masculinity or femininity and they don't really and then they're taking shots at each other like there's this this gender battle um that's that's being led by hashtag me too um so you know what can we i'm spending a lot of time and a lot of my shows trying to come up with some solutions to what there is to do about this how can people get off this hamster wheel yeah well you know one of the one of the ways that i can see is first of all is giving up this identification with being a man or a woman you know the way that i like to say it is i'm a soul or a human being if you like in a male body and you're a soul or a human being in a female body and the fact that we are in these different bodies Um, means that there are differences biologically and also differences psychologically and culturally. But actually the core of us is the same. The core of us is love. So that's the place where we meet. And from that place of meeting as love, then we can explore our differences. But when we meet from those differences and our identity is stuck in them, you're going to fight because you're fighting about a um, a different identification with your gender. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the first thing is to actually realize that you're stuck within an identity and that identity is polarized against the other identity. So, of course, you're going to battle. It's like, you know, whole generations of men have tried to become more masculine by being less feminine, as if emphasizing one part of a duality could help. It's just repression. Or women are trying to become more feminine by repressing their masculine, um, which also doesn't work. So that's the first thing is to just let go of the identity. Mm. But coming to love, that's like a, that's a tall order, Bruce. I mean, when I think, when I hear you say that, I'm just going to like give you a kind of frame of reference. When I hear you say come to love, of course, before I've, I was familiar with you or heard your words or, or was with you and your teachings. But when I heard that, I think of when I was a hippie and everybody was like, peace and love, man, you know, like we would flash the peace sign and, and drop some acid and, and have sex with anybody we wanted because we were having free love. And that's 
I don't think that's what you mean. I mean, I'm not putting that down. That was a really important period of time for me. But, sure. but that's not what you mean by coming to love, I don't think. Yeah, no, I think actually free love, the 60s, was, uh, you know, it was like a, a beautiful shower ahead of a rainstorm. And, <laughs> yeah. But it never really got above the solar plexus. I mean, it was, love was very sentimental. But, but I also want to say something about that, because I think love matures, just like our mind matures. The first time, when you're a teenager, you just have a lot of opinions once you learn to think for yourself, which not many people actually learn to do, but when you th learn to think for yourself, your mind matures. And I think love's the same. When we first start out, it's sentimental, it's idealistic, um, you know, it's attached. But gradually, if you use the heart and you keep going into love, then it matures. So I'd like to think that the love on the planet is maturing since the 60s. 60s was a kind of sentimental beginning. And now I would call it, rather than free love, I'd call it wild love, that, that there is a fierceness and a power and a passion in the love, which isn't just the self-indulgent sentimentality of flower power. It's people with eyes wide open, hearts wide open, knowing what it actually takes to live a life of love and really freeing, freeing themselves from, from illusions around it and from the romantic ideal and... Uh, and, and coming to a deeper, fiercer love. Mm. And a deeper, fiercer love that doesn't really have attachment or images. Right. It's yeah. not trying to project its other half out, you know. And I see this whole ge younger generations. I know when my youngest son was born, you know, like every like third day he would wake up and refuse his identity. Is like, don't call me that anymore. I'm going to be Anna today. So, you know. <laughs> And he wanted to wear a dress and I had to put a ribbon in his hair and I had to take him to the supermarket, you know, and people would look at me like, you know, who's this? And of course, I just had to stand with my support for him. Like, he didn't want to be stuck in being a boy. Mm. Uh, and I think that there's, there's this, this urge as more and more young people arrive as souls, they don't want to be stuck in the boxes that we did so much in the generations before. They want the freedom to be all things uh, and, and not have to have this desperate need for, you know, limiting themselves so that they have a sense of difference from others. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And, you know, to a lot of people it's threatening because they, they, they being in a box can deal with people who aren't in a box. Right. Uh, so it's, I, I can see that it's threatening the status quo, which is, you know, a good thing. I've always felt it was a good thing anyway. What about uh, but this coming to love thing? I don't know that people, I like the way you're saying it, it sounds like people could just choose to be in a mature form of love. But I think people have tremendous uh, difficulty giving up attachments. Um, so, you know, I mean, aside from like we both are proponents of ISTA, I know people, when they start to take the ISTA path, when they do the level one, they start to get unattached in certain ways. They start, yeah. they start to see that there's more to their life and more to their everything, to their whole existence than they had it before that. But what else? How can people, how can people get like unafraid of this stuff? 
Yeah, well, I think, I think, you know, you're right that it doesn't just happen. People educate themselves into it or they mature into it. And really the word education means, comes from the Latin, to draw out of. And so much of our education has been this consumerism of trying to put inside people ideas and information and belief systems where to draw something out means that people start trusting their innate inner wisdom. And I think that's the first step is, is to give up believing that the solutions to the emptiness and, the, and the, the woundedness inside you is going to come from outside and mm-hmm. to start to really turn in and really feel what is the source of my own happiness? How do I think for myself? How do I find the place in my heart that knows what love is rather than just buying all of this consumerism ideas um, from the world around us because authentic living starts from the inside out. So that would be the first thing I would say is turn inwards and start to try to feel the vibrational truth of your own reality and draw it out. That's wonderful. You know, it, you're reminding me of, um, I stopped a long time ago listening to pop songs. Like I don't listen to the radio in the car. I don't want to be in anybody's drama. You know, like before when I used to listen to Joni Mitchell and um, uh, Carly Simon and James Taylor and, and Simon and Garfunkel long ago, I I felt like moved by, especially Joni Mitchell, I felt like suffering like she was suffering. And yeah. one day I said, you know, I'm not listening to this anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to eat that i don't want that to go through my head over and over again about suffering over a relationship yeah and eventually i stopped reading the newspapers also because i didn't want to put that in my diet in inside myself with coffee in the morning yeah. <laughs> you know i eliminated those things from my diet i started listening to songs i didn't understand in different languages like like latin music or hindu chants because i didn't they might be saying god but i don't know what they're saying you know so i i listened to that so that i didn't suffer anymore based on my taste in music so i think there's a lot for people to do to like cut out that drama uh the drama that feels like it's an essential longing to be attached and be dramatic yeah and it goes back you know coming back to the sex and happiness part you know i think that that listening to pop songs on the outside, I mean, it's great. It changes our state, but it's coming from the outside in. We're getting our emotional um, high from, you know, putting in something. And I think the same happens for people with sexuality is that often their sexual response come from, comes from someone else doing something to them. Right. And, and I think that one of the things that we teach about sexuality and, um, and you do so well is helping people turn themselves into this realization that they're their own first lover and that unless they're able to connect with their own erotic life and their own pleasure and their own um, erotic energy, then having someone do it for them is just going to make them more dependent upon the outside world. Exactly. Oh, so good. So well said. Yeah. I mean, I've said that for a long time. I took myself to the place that I wanted to go. And after I took myself there, it was really easy for me to communicate to somebody else, well, this is where I want to go. So, right. and I'm my own best lover. So please listen to me when I say I want this. So inside, like, it's an inside job. And if I choose to communicate it with someone on the outside, then I can, but I don't have to. 
And that would probably be, you know, one of the key things you're saying, how do people mature into happiness is um, to give up the dependence uh, of thinking that a politician is going to make the best decision for you, that a partner is going to give you an orgasm, that um, a pop song is going to give you a high, that anything that's coming from outside of you is going to fill some need in you and start to really find the source of life and vibration and, and, and quality of being that is uniquely yours that's bubbling up from the spring inside your own being. Mm. Yes. Well, on that note, we're going to take another short break. When we come back, I'd like to talk about your upcoming events. Like I know you're coming, you're planning to come to the States and I know I'm going to Glastonbury with you. I want to talk about some of the, your latest creations sure. and what people can expect and how to, how people can find out about this stuff. Because um, I know for sure when you come to the U.S., there's a lot of people that I want to come and see you, come and witness you, and come and participate in whatever it is that you're doing. So when we come back, let's turn our gaze towards um, what your latest creations are. Okay, cool. Okay? So this is Laurie Handlers. You're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm thrilled to be interviewing Bruce Lyon. We're having a wonderful conversation about becoming self-sovereign, really, what it takes to become self-sovereign. And um, it's really important at this time in our combined story that people do become sovereign. And so when we come back, we'll talk about some places where you might catch Bruce. We'll be right back. My question for people right now is if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush and that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handlers on the Sex and Happiness Show. Many times on Sex and Happiness, you've heard Laurie talk about emotional release and how important it is. Well, now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. In Lori's CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, 
She creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her sacred sexuality courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lahtihan today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order the Shamanic Release and Lahtihan CD by Lori Handlers, go to www.butterflyworkshops.com right now. Do you want to deepen your intimacy while being on the perfect vacation? I'm talking about an all-inclusive vacation with a nude beach, a prude beach, and award-winning food, entertainment, and service. In really fun classes each day, I'll take you into enhanced communication, intimacy skills, and sensuality. I also offer private sessions by appointment in sex magic, G-spot stimulation, female ejaculation, and men's ejaculation choice. Oh, and I'll have my Sibian there too, so you can experience the Sibian in a private learning session. There's many barriers to be dropped and a new freedom to be learned by accompanying me to this vacation. When? October 13th to the 20th, 2018. Where? Hedonism 2 Resort, Negril Beach, Jamaica. For more information, write to me, laurie at butterflyworkshops.com or to book, call Tom's Trips at 800-285-0853. That's 800-285-0853. Book now while rooms last and tell them you are among my group. Be among the wonderful people who will be joining me this year. I can't wait to be with you in Jamaica. And once again, we're back with Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers. I'm interviewing Bruce Lyon. And, you know, when I said in the last segment <laughs> to catch Bruce, I was thinking, catch you if you can. Um, <laughs> um, you do shift and change on a current basis. So catching you means catching you in the moment, catching what you're up to in the moment. And who I am in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that sometimes you don't even know is really a good thing. I like it. I like it a lot. We, we, you and I joked a lot when we were together in Australia. You know, someone told us we were dignified. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think they meant, I think they were just kindly talking about our age. <laughs> Every day we would look at each other and say, do we look dignified? <laughs> it's something like I just don't even care about anymore. But I know when I was like in my 20s and I wanted to be taken seriously by like corporate America or something, I had to look really dignified. I always <laughs> wanted to be dignified one day. So look, it's obviously finally arrived or at least for a moment. <laughs> so let's talk about some of your most recent creations. I know you had a you had a run with something called Wild Love, yeah. That you that you did a few uh, a few workshops of. I don't know if you're still doing that, but I know I'm coming to Glastonbury to do something with you that had that somehow revolves around the tale of King Arthur, Guinevere, and Sir Lancelot, and something to do with like you know mature love. But I don't even know the name of it. I'm just coming because. 
I'm, I heard your talk about relationships when we were at the Taste of Love Festival, and I, just, I was so moved by it. I was so moved by, by a statement you made, which was falling in love is really asking to be in a partnership where your, where your ego or your identity is demolished, is surrendered, is no more, where you actually can come into love, the very thing you've been talking about here. So what are we doing in Glastonbury? Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, the modern round table. In the old days, uh, they were mainly knights seeking their, their feminine, you know, the holy grail. And as this integration of masculine and feminine has happened, then the, the, the idea is to get together a group of people who are beyond the romantic ideal of masculine and feminine and into a mature love. And then they can operate as a group to allow that love to move more fully into the world. And I think that's mostly my work these days, even though I've written six or seven books of very esoteric language. Um, it's all come down to very simple things, you know, which are one, get free. Like that's the sovereign piece. Like really find your own empowerment separate from the world and everyone else. Find the living, authentic life that's only yours to live. Secondly, love, love, relationships, sexuality. It's such a huge preoccupation. It's very hard to actually have genuine love when you're not free, when you're trying to seek something from somebody else, when your cup's not full. So love, the journey of love and mature love has its roots in our own individuality and our own um, authentic expression and then genuinely, maturely engaging somebody else. And I say maturely because I feel like most relationships are based on a consumeristic, I, what have you done for me lately? I want to get something from you. Mm. And maybe we exchange with each other. It's almost like a business transaction. It's like, I'm going to make you happy, you make me happy, until one of us isn't happy anymore, in which case then we're going to realize we never loved each other. It was just projection. And now we're going to go to divorce courts and have huge drama. So relationship is so immature still on the planet and, and really helping people find the deep and lasting love for themselves, from themselves with others is the second half of, of the work. And then the, the third part is um, when you are free and you know love, then do interesting shit in the world. Like create from that place. <laughs> you know, change civilization from that place of power and love and freedom. So it's, it's down to just those three things. And they're basically really what most people are looking for when they're looking for happiness in the world is they want to know who they are and what their purpose is. They want to know how I can relate with others in loving and rewarding ways. And they want to know how to create and express their themselves in the world in such a way that the world recognizes that and gives them things like money and whatever else that they want to make them happy. Mm. So yeah. those are the things I do. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. It sounds great. And then your talks when you're coming to the U S I don't know where else you're, you're going to be in Europe, I think. And then in the U S yeah, I'm going to be in U.S. probably 2019. I'm going to come to the West Coast, maybe the East Coast, and do some talks, hang out with some amazing people, and, uh, and maybe run some workshops. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And I think that, that is, it's safe to say that they're all along this line. 
you know, this current focus of yours, which is to really become free, become sovereign, become the love, and then do something important. I think it's timely. It, like, it couldn't arrive at a better time. You know, I think people are lost still, and they need to hear this. They need to hear how they can do it. I think just... Go ahead. I have two major threads. You know, one is a universal message, which is which is really just, you know, me being one voice for the millions of voices that are starting to emerge on the planet as we make this deep shift into a culture that's based on love and freedom. So there's a universal message, which is just basically get yourself free and empowered, find love and, and, and move that in the world. And then there's another message, you know, for me, which is part of the mystery school temple message, which is not everybody in every generation is going to break free. That's the way it's always been and the way it always will be. And there needs to be places and room for those people who are deeply dedicated to a path beyond, you know, themselves and that have a real gift to give. And those people I want to help gather together in places like Mike Hyden so that they can do their work and go deeply together away from the kind of huge input of consumerist society. So, you know, one message is to everyone, like be more, be more free, be more loving, be more creative. And the other is I'm really trying to find those young souls who have a deep gift to give the world and need a place to come and awaken safely. I mean, in the, in the East, they have long traditions of Lama Sri's and, and other places where those souls who carry a gift are supported. In the West, we don't really have that. So I'm, I'm wanting to help, help that happen as well. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, the only thing that young souls have possibly is boarding school. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> not it. That's definitely not it. I love that. I love the idea. I think it's super creative. And um, I, you know, based on the people, the souls you calling them that I met at Hayden, who had just been through a six-week training, and actually I met one yesterday too. She's in the United States and spend six weeks with you at Hayden. And I just, she's in the Chicago area. And I just met her via Zoom yesterday. She's lovely and wonderful and wants to start organizing ISTA in the Midwest. And um, it was just delightful. It was delightful to be there. It was so freeing to be there with people without agenda. People who just were free to like be and relate and didn't have a... They weren't like talking about a hook in the, my jugular vein or yours or anything like that. They were just like being there. It's so nice to see people who, who are finished with being insecure. Yeah. And, you know, that's what gives me hope for our world really is like hanging out for six weeks with 30 people from 20 different nationalities alike um, with the love and, and passions that they are um, in this next coming generation that makes me feel good about the world that's coming and good about my grandchildren being in it. That's so good. Well, it makes me feel good about you. <laughs> it makes me feel about, good about you because you're doing good shit in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm having fun. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. It's really, really wonderful. So, okay. Is there anything else before we uh, finish our interview? Is there any, is there any tip or anything you want to leave people with um, that they might like look into right now? 
You know, like they hear the show, like what do they do right now? Yeah, well, maybe they maybe they turn off listening to anything outside of them and and turn their radio dial to the core of their own heart and really ask the question of themselves, like what will move me more deeply into joy and happiness? Like where is the vibration inside me in my body that I can follow that knows what to do next, you know, other than turn on the TV or turn on um, something coming in from inside. That's what I would advise. That's beautiful, Bruce. Thank you so much. Hey, it was great fun talking with you and I look forward to hanging out with you some more in the year ahead. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any way that you want people to, um, how could they find you like on like what website or whatever could they keep up with finding out where you're going to be? Yeah, well, I have to keep things updated. <laughs> but they can probably, they can type in my name. They can go to brucelion.com, Shambhala School. They can type in Hayden, um, you know, to find out more about about that place or the School of Temple Arts, which is used to work. Okay, that's great. So let me just say those again um, slowly. Bruce Lyon is, Bruce is Bruce and Lyon is L-Y-O-N. And uh, Shambhala School is, how do you want to spell that? Yeah, S-H-A-M-B-A-L-L-A, shambhalaschool.org. .org. And then ISTA, you would go to schooloftemplearts.org. Yeah. And Hayden, they can go to, um, they can put Hayden Temple in and it will come up. Okay. And Hayden is spelled H-I-G-H-D-E-N, Hayden Temple. It's worth checking out, everybody, like no kidding. There's big things happening on this planet that you may not know about. And, and this was just the tip of the iceberg. Please tune in to me next time when I'll have another amazing guest on Sex and Happiness. I'm loving that I had Bruce Lyon after so long of waiting for him to come on this show. It was really great. And uh, Bruce, I love you. Thank you. And I'm signing off now for sex and happiness thank you all thank you for joining us today for sex and happiness to learn more about Lori and her work please go to butterflyworkshops.com or follow her on twitter or facebook you can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com we'll see you again right here next week for another edition of sex and happiness I want to talk to you about the craziest and most inventive sex toy or sex enhancement that I've come upon in a long time. It's called Love Rider, L-U-V-R-Y-D-R. That's L-U-V-R-Y-D-R, Love Rider. So I know the couple that invented it. They never intended to invent it. They stumbled upon it. And isn't that how most things go in life? The subtitle to Love Rider is Grab the Bar and Ride Your Lover Wild. And I want to tell you that I've had multiple experiences with Love Rider. I've taken it all around the world and I've had lovers experience it. I've given it to them overnight and told them to come back and tell me their experience with it. And every one of them comes back with a raving report. It's a harness that the person receiving puts around their shoulders, either forwards or backwards, whatever. It depends on what position you want to use a Love Rider in. And the person who's giving, the penetrator, 
takes the handlebar like they're riding a horse and they lean back and they get amazing angles of penetration from using this device. It's hard to describe, but I want to encourage you to go there and look it up. Listen, my lover gave it a five and a half stars out of five. That's all I got to say. So go to loverider.com and look for this beautiful invention. And you can use my name if you call them, or you can use my code Butterfly Workshops, letting them know that you heard about Love Rider through me. That's loverider.com, L-U-V-R-Y-D-R. As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with the Sibian has personally increased my sexual response, and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add. Trust me on this. I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N.com. Or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800-253-6135. And say Lori Handler's told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S, for Men.